Hello and welcome to another installment of Behind the Fourth Wall, the podcast where we discuss and review movies, TV shows, trailers, and anything else pop culture. In today's episode, we will be looking at Disney Plus's series Loki Season 1, Episode 4, titled The Nexus Event. My name is Ivan, and I'm joined today by my co-host and proud owner of the world's second largest Furby collection, Emmett. Yeah, I'm scouring eBay right now to see if I can try and get up to that first place. I'm a few off. <laughs> I'm still always like creeped out by those stories. I don't know if you ever came across these in the early 2000s, but like like old Furbies being stuck in the closet and they still like activate randomly. They were like an attempt at Toy Story in real life, like trying to get a toy to look like it really exists. I had one, and I don't know what exactly happened to it, but at some point I remember just having the plastic underbody of it and Ooh, so like creepy. it looked like it looked like the creepiest thing <laughs> it's like a shaved cat one of those hairless ones pretty much yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's already terrifying i know but anyway hey, we got a big episode today yeah we got uh we're late on this episode that is my fault uh so we are recording this with the uh, the gift of hindsight on a few things so we're recording this on sunday the fourth so Happy Independence Day, if you're into that. If you're not into independence, then happy being wherever you are that's not independent at the moment. Right. And we wish you well. Uh, let's get into this. Uh, so today we're talking Loki, but before we do that, let's go over some news highlights. There's been a lot going on this week, uh, more than usual because we have a week and a half between our recordings on this one. The big one that stuck out to me was and i didn't realize that this was happening until the day it was released but the tomorrow war dropped on amazon prime and fans are going kind of crazy for this but i also like i watched it i don't know if you got a chance to watch it yet did you no i haven't that's the chris pratt movie right the time traveling thing yeah i would definitely not call this a must watch (laughs) okay (laughs) It's it's fun in a year where we don't really have summer blockbusters, so it definitely takes that place. And I just don't feel like I would have even wanted to watch this in theaters if it was normal times. Uh, it's like it, yeah. This was like a melting pot of all the greatest like sci-fi movies. Like they saw what worked and they just tried to take little aspects of it. It's like Back to the Future, Stargate, Ender's Game guardians like all rolled up into one movie and it kind of reminded me like an av- of an avatar type of movie uh not the last airbender james cameron's avatar <laughs> it were like they just like borrowed little bits and pieces of things or no not avatar more like um aquaman this reminded you of aquaman yeah in the way that aquaman borrowed like bits and pieces of different movies oh, and tried okay. to like, make it work as one thing and that's yeah. probably why this movie didn't work other than it being um just an action flick. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. I was I had this on my radar only because it's Chris Pratt, and I feel like I enjoy most of the stuff he's in. But it it felt to me like it kind of flew past me for a yeah. number of reasons. I also feel like is this mo- was this meant to release in theaters, and it ended up just being on Amazon Prime. I don't know what the deal was because I hadn't really heard about it until like a day or two before it was dropping, and then I was like just randomly checking Amazon Prime movies to see what was on, if there's like anything new added on the day that it released. And then I got like 15 ads for it that same day. So 
it was yeah it was really under the radar but they they have like scenes that are very clearly like that was filmed for 3d so so it must have been like a, a plan theater release then at some point that's what i'm guessing yeah i'm like looking through it looks like it's at a 53 percent on rotten tomatoes that's what it feels like to me and like <laughs> i'm just seeing one of the headlines from the rap saying chris pratt's the tomorrow war panned as garbage pizza and starship troopers for dummies by critics yeah that's pretty it, harsh it is pretty harsh because you should keep in mind what genre it is it's not meant to be a goodwill hunting <laughs> Oh, then def- I'm definitely out. <laughs> <laughs> but it was like a semi-creative plot. It's just like one of those things where it's like, uh, ever since Endgame happened, time travel in movies has been ruined for me because it's like, I don't know what rules of time travel we're following. The traditional one where it's like, if you change the past, you change the future. Versus what Endgame decided was like, uh, you can't change the past no matter what you do to it. All you can do is create a second branch. Yeah, that's a lot to kind of conjure up. I get what you mean, though. It's a, I, I think I'll, I'll probably give it a watch at some point, just because, like, again, it's Chris Pratt, and it kind of seems like a popcorn kind of flick that at some point, like, I'll find a Sunday or a Saturday when I have got nothing else to do, and I'll probably tune into it. 100%. It's like a rainy summer day, or if it's, like, super hot out, you just want to stay inside. That's what this is for. So that's why we watched it this week. <laughs> it's been super hot out. Yeah. All yeah, across yeah. the Northeast. I think everybody's been affected by this throughout the country. But anyway. All right. Well, good to know. Uh, at, at least I know to set my expectations for for the Tomorrow War. Yeah. Moving on for, on, on news. Uh, I have like three things that I added on here. I think one of them I could probably save it for discussion later. But um, Spider-Man No Way Home. Leaks continue to come through. At this point, I'm kind of wondering, where the heck is this trailer? Why haven't they released it? I texted you about this stuff halfway through the week, but like there was some sort of like Lego leak or something that showed off the new Spider-Man suit. And then like almost after, like right after that, Hasbro came out and said, oh, here's our toy line. And it kind of spoiled some like plot elements for for the uh, for the movie and by spoil i mean like they reveal that doctor strange is in the movie because you're seeing doctor strange merch but we knew this like we knew exactly yeah i'm tired it, of people calling these leaks they're leaks i guess in the sense that i don't think marvel's technically saying like officially coming out with a press release saying like oh here's what's happening but it, yeah at this point it's like the worst kept secret in hollywood and i, I mean i don't know i've it's hard to base your opinion on any movie based off of merchandise, you know? Because <laughs> well, it's it like ruined Godzilla versus King Kong for us. We knew <laughs> that, that Mecha Godzilla was going to be in it. That's true, but was was that from the toy leaks or was that like the trailer? The toy leaks kind of confirmed what everyone was like reading the trailer <laughs> as. I love seeing these like um, sites for like uh, on like any sort of like fan site that that's like studying up like oh the backside of the the card back of this like action figure has all these characters <laughs> this is spider-man must be doing this and that like from, from these leaks that we got for this it's like we have we know that his new suit is called the integrated suit we know that he at some point in the movie he's going to be wearing a black and gold suit but i'm just kind of sitting back here and being like does nobody remember the 1990s when they released all these batman movies and you'd have action figures of like popsicle batman and all these i was like i don't think the merchandise necessarily says what's going to happen in the movie right like yeah also the suit that he's going to be wearing the black and gold 
looks very similar to the one that Tony Stark made him. So it's like, does it really matter? <laughs> right. Yeah. And I'm like, I, at this point, until I see the suit in action, I can't really say if I like it or not. Like the integrated like suit. It. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I'm going like to no matter what. There was like a Funko. Um, I uh, saw the, the new suit. Yeah, yeah, with the little uh, Doctor like Strange Iron things. Man. Yeah, in the chest plate. I thought it was the arc reactor, but apparently, if you like. look, if you look closely, it's actually Doctor Strange. Uh, what I don't know what you call it. Those little circles that he. Uh, oh creates. really? Yeah. So. Does Doc like is everybody giving Spidey a suit in each one of his movies? Is this what we're gonna? <laughs> the point that we're gonna come to. That'd be interesting. There was one more leak for Spider-Man. Did you catch that headline? Oh, if it is what I think you're you're about to say, yeah. Uh, it kind of caught me by surprise a little bit. Because I'm like, I, I feel like they've had these rumors up for a couple of years, right? Between Tom Holland and Zendaya. Is that what you're yeah. getting at? So yeah. they, uh, like the paparazzi caught them, like her leaving his house. And them in a car kissing or something like that. And fans are going ballistically crazy over this like no they're just getting ready for scenes or or this is just a publicity stunt and then you have the other camp being like it's finally happening like <laughs> people need to chill out it's the curse of the two i feel i don't know if you saw that too but like apparently I yeah I, I didn't know that toby Maguire dated kirsten dunst i know andrew garfield was um you know was together with uh what's her name with emma, emma stone, stone. Yeah. Yeah, but like I didn't know that was an actual thing. I I didn't know about Tobey Maguire. So I guess Peter's all Spider-Man, you know. I know they're destined to be together. <laughs> it's our modern day Romeo and Juliet. It's it's the love forbidden by Hollywood. <laughs> um, I have a I have another Marvel um tidbit of news here, but I think I'll save it for like the prediction segment for later cuz it ties into Loki. Uh but okay. The one thing I wanted to get your take on <laughs> And I know I, we're both probably going to have a good laugh about this, but to give a little bit of context, earlier, I think it was last weekend, actually, Lego yeah. had something called the Lego Con, which apparently Lego has a convention now. Uh, good on them. Uh, but apparently they released a set uh, with uh, the Slave One uh, Boba, Boba Fett's ship. And at some point during the presentation, they went back and revised the name of the product. And so now they're referring to Slave One as Boba Fett Starship instead of Slave One. Mm -hmm. And for whatever reason, um, people got really, really upset over it. And they were citing cancel culture. They're like, oh, now they're canceling the name Slave One, uh, yada, yada, yada. Um, and so, like, I just wanted to talk about it real quick because I feel like it's been like a point of contention across the Star Wars fandom this week. And I'm just really confused because... On one hand, I'm like, I get it, the nostalgia for the name and all that. At the same time, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think anybody within actual Star Wars canon, like any of the movies, the mo the movies themselves, not the shows or anything else, but like, I don't think anybody within the movies has ever actually called that ship Slave One. No, not to my memory either. So it's like, you're fighting, these not you, these fans are fighting to protect this name that like has only ever existed off screen. Like, who cares? It, it's a game for kids. If they want to make it easier to just call it Boba Fett's ship, what does it matter? Like, even in Mandalorian that just came out with his ship coming back, they didn't call it Slave One in that. Right. 
Which so I would think get back to the ship or take your ship there or whatever, you know? Well, it's like, I feel like the if there's any iconic ship that I would, like, pick up a torch and, a, you know, and the pitchfork on, if they ever change the name, was the Millennium Falcon, right? That's because it, it's, yeah. it's right there, you know? But for Slave 1, I'm like, you know, you could just call it Slave 1 on your own, right? Like, you don't have to be like... What if Millennium was uh, a uh, deeper-rooted word, though? Would you still pitchfork for it oh geez i don't know see but that's the thing like that where where i feel like i feel like disney is just trying to play um pc here too right like i I know that they're they're probably like trying to cover their bases they're like it's a problematic word sure i mean i just don't think it's something to get outraged over you know like i don't think they're actually going to go and change the name in in universe right i don't think anybody's going to deliberately be like oh we're no longer calling it slave one in the movie I think it's just a matter of you're just never going to address it. And and with yeah, that, the only, does it ever would, matter? the only thing I would want to, like, understand is if Disney uh, just came up with this idea in their own boardroom or if they've talked to anyone, uh, like, in the black community about that. I wouldn't want this to be, like, whitewashing or anything like that. Or maybe even just get George Lucas to, like, chime in as well. I don't. Th- I think this is just a precautionary thing. I don't think they ever. Because here's the thing, and and again, I'm because j- just kind of speaking from my perspective on here, but I don't think anybody has ever said that they're offended by the name. Um, but I think it's a similar situation to the slave Leia thing. I don't know if you heard about this, but back in 2015, Disney also pulled products containing or merchandise containing um, the visual of of slave Leia, you know, like the, the outfit that she's wearing and jo- oh, what she's I'm a prisoner of Jabba. Yeah, of course you are. <laughs> hey, <what's that? laughs> but basically, there no um, no licensee is now allowed to call that version of Leia slave Leia. They now have to refer to her as prisoner Leia or captive Leia. Which I'm or like, okay, the bikini Leia, <laughs> right? Right. But they pulled it because um, there were parent groups that were complaining about it. Well, so, that's more provocative. It's not even, but they're leaving the image of it, aren't they? They are, they're just but renaming it. I I do find it curious though that since then I haven't seen a single piece of merch of Leia in that costume. Whereas before, I feel like that was the like one of the more Rel- like uh, consistent pieces of merch, like you'd see bobbleheads of it, you'd see posters, whatever, right? Um, and now they don't. But I felt like that made sense to me. Um, mm-hmm. If if this is Disney being like, oh, people are offended by the name Slave One, I do find that a little ridiculous, only because I feel like there are matters that you probably should be addressing that are a lot more offensive than this. Um, at the same time, I I get the PR marketing strategy here. And I don't really necessarily have a problem with it. I just feel like people are blowing it way out of proportion than when yeah. it actually is. Yeah, I don't really care either. And it's not going to be the reason why I don't play this Lego game. Right. I mean, like, look, if, if, the, <laughs> if the ship shows up on a video game and they call it Boba Fett Starship, you, you know, people do realize you can, you can also just refer to it as Slave One still, right? Like, the, nobody's stopping you from, <laughs> from doing that. Yeah. Although, if I'm... If I am, if you allow me a quick second here, I do think that if this is all legit and there is a name change coming, it kind of gets me wondering if at some point that ship is no longer going to be uh, Boba's ship and it's going to be handed to Mando and he's going to rename it 
But in that case, I'm just putting on my like fan conspiracy uh, theorist tinfoil hat here. Yeah, that's a different episode. Yeah, I'll save it for our three hour long chat on the future of Star Wars. I'm looking forward to that. So is <laughs> our one listener out there. I know. <laughs> all right, I th- that's all. That's about all the time I'm going to dedicate to this. But uh, I just thought it was one of the more intriguing parts of the week. Cool. Let's move into general thoughts, spoiler free edition of the Loki episode four, season one four, uh, the Nexus event. Do you want to kick it off? Yeah. Yeah, I could, I could kick it off. Um, so I think, you know, you and I kind of shared the same sentiment that episode three took a little bit of a slow turn uh, for the series. I thought this episode kind of got us back on track. Um, to me, I can't really say whether this is my favorite of the bunch, but I feel like it definitely has a a very same uh, a very similar wavelength to episode one and two. So it, it it's very jam packed with like twists and turns and uh, on this episode and it continues to really flesh out loki for me so i thought it was a good episode i enjoyed it um and i think at this point i can genuinely say i've been enjoying the show a lot more than i thought i would i'm kind of happy to see the show start to take shape um and i'm looking forward to seeing what the end brings because this episode really amped things up while at the same time still giving you that character development that we got in the last episode. Yeah, I 100% agree. The twists are more abundant in this one, and they're also of higher stake than the previous episodes. However, and like I'm loving the you know the cinematography of it, this the set like the scenery that they're able to produce. Um, like we didn't really give it its flowers in the last episode, but the um, the planet Lamentis, or I guess the moon Lamentis. It's just stunningly beautiful, and it's amazing what they're able to accomplish there. Um, everything feels, like you said, much faster paced. Like now that we've done all the character development and whatnot and all the background, we're able to actually get into um, you know, the twists and turns and the consequences of decision-making. However, I feel like my hype has plateaued, kind of. So that's why I also agree with you. Like I... I would have trouble ranking these episodes uh, in order of favorite to least favorite. Um, I feel like, yeah, the the problem that I think I had anticipated before this show started was is like the inherent problem of the boy who cried wolf. And that's what Loki's character was built up as it, back in like Thor 2, right? You only get to lie to both the audience and the characters that you're talking to so many times before we start going like, you're going to just change it the last second. And then you're going to say, shame on you. You didn't see that coming. And it's kind of frustrating to watch. Cause it's like, do you want me to root for Loki or not? <laughs> yeah. It's, it, it gets, it, I feel like they're try they tried their best to kind of play a little game with us too on it in terms of setting expectations and to anybody still listening in terms of like, before we get to the, the spoilers, make sure you watch to the end of the credits and then through it, because there is a mid credit scene that I feel like if you don't watch that mid credit scene, you're going to be left until next week, kind of wondering certain things that you could probably get a more immediate answer for. Before yeah. We get you'll there. also, whatever ne- next week episode is going to bring, you're going to be very confused. 
Right. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I do feel like there are... I. Here's the thing. Here's where I am. I really enjoyed the episode. I also feel like it's kind of irritating how there are certain things you can kind of predict in a way. Not that you know exactly what's going to happen, but you know the way in which they're going to get to that point. Right, but right? then they like they take like three lies to get to that point, and it's like we all saw this coming. Just get to there, you know? Right. Right, it's kind of like going through like a long-winded explanation for what could be a shorter story. Exactly, and that's what kind of makes some of these episodes feel a little dragged out. Like, we were talking about this offline, and this is not pertaining to this specific episode, but it's also not a spoiler. It just feels like maybe this should have just been a movie. I'm loving that we're going to get like six total hours of it, but maybe just give Loki a movie, and then you don't have to purposely create these cliffhangers that kind of like throw off the pace of of what you're going for yeah they definitely could have done it and i definitely don't think this would have i think this would have been really well received as a disney plus exclusive movie as long as they just stitched it all together like that i think it would have worked really well um but, but like the, the problem is like when you pace out a show it's so much different than if you pace out a movie like yeah a movie you can still like a movie's just a beginning middle and end and there's roadblocks along the way the show is like you purposely have to create these cliffhangers to end an episode. And then it's just like this roller coaster is way too dramatic for what we're trying to accomplish here. Right. Either that too, or like design the show to be bingeable in the sense that everything's released at once so that you still have that same movie type effect, but you, you know, you don't sacrifice the number of, um, I guess like twists that you could put with somebody with episodes, but I don't know. It's I'm still enjoying the show. It's just that I feel like from a certain point of view, it also becomes a little tiring to kind of like anticipate almost what the next twist is going to be. Yeah, no, I'm also really enjoying it. Uh, I just and, and I would also add too that in similar fashion to like a true detective or something like that, it's so much more enjoyable to go back and look at how people are like their acting choices and their facial expressions or their tone and see like, oh, that meant more because of what I know is going to happen. Do you kind of think, and this kind of thought came to me before, but like, I feel like this show would have been stronger for me if somehow we got the Loki at the end of, or at the beginning of Infinity War, the one that gets clapped by Thanos. I feel like if that's the version of Loki that is living through this, I feel like I'd be a lot more, how you say, mm. like, excusing of some of these things. You get what I, think, I mean? Because I think you're thinking about it as, like, we've put so much time in with that Loki that I want to see how a good Loki, good guy would come through with that or more experienced Loki would be at it, handling the situation. But I, I don't know. I enjoy what they did. Uh, assuming, I'm going to speak now assuming that you've seen the other episodes and not this episode. But I like what they did in the first episode where it's like you take a guy who is going to have this character evolution and then you condense all of that down into a highlight reel where he has to experience a flood of emotions, both happy and sad, all in one sitting, just like watching this real play. And that works enough for me, but I feel like it might be even like I think you can argue that it's different to see that part of your life play out versus living it yeah because it's not that he's going to become that loki it's that 
this was the plan for me. This is like what I was going to do. And how does that affect my decisions now? Do I want to try and become that person or do I want to, you know, say, screw you. I'm going to be even more the person I want to be because you can't write my life. Right. And that's why I like this. Cause it's like you, you, it's a situation that you can't uh, build for anyone else. We should probably get into the spoilers. <laughs> yeah, I just want to spoil everything. So if you haven't watched it yet, we highly recommend you go see it. Like Ivan said, there is a mid credit scene that's pretty important. So stay on the stream for that. Otherwise, just fast forward to it like I do. No big deal. Credits aren't important. The soundtrack <laughs> is great, though. I am liking the soundtrack. That is one reason to actually watch the credits. <laughs> all right so let's get into specific scenes characters and plot discussion now who would you like to start with Ivan? i would like to start with the most important character of this episode um and hear me out real quick on this because i do Jason? feel like n- no 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 what's i'm talking about lady sif oh right 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 <laughs> thank god they brought her back what a queen i, I was not expecting uh, Lady Sif to return to the MCU, but God bless her. I missed her. Yeah, I'm glad was, she was here. This was a nice way to warm up bringing her back because she's going to be in Thor 4, right? Is she? I haven't heard any of, of that. But... No, I thought that was confirmed. Actually, you know what? Now, now I'm going to uh, I'm gonna have to look it up. Yeah, I um, like how they got uh, them off of uh, I keep forgetting this planet name. Lamentus. I like how they got them out of there with that Nexus event occurring. And then, yeah, I love that they brought Lady Sif back. That Nexus event, um, and I might be jumping ahead a little bit here, but I feel like we do have to touch on that real quick because, like, that's how they get detected. Like, there's this huge spike in the time uh, in the timeline, and so normally, from a visual perspective, you see the little branches forming out. This one seemed like it just like shot straight up, right? So, yeah. what, like, what was the Nexus event, though? So, I'll answer that, but I also have a question, too. The Nexus event, uh, actually, Morbius does, like, a really good job explaining it. He says that um, you falling in love with a version of yourself would be, like, groundbreaking or would be, like, reality-shattering, and that's what caused the event, the spike. Um. But it was also, he said that, like Mobius said when they were searching, seeing that spike happen, they magnified in, right? So is it necessarily a vertical nexus event, or was it just that, like, it was zoomed in so it looks like it? Um, I took it that it was a vertical nexus event. Yeah, I mean, I'm fine with either answer, and it seems like it probably leans more towards being a vertical line, because then... Mobius at the end of the episode's like an event that big could tear this place down. So you're you're saying to kind of backtrack a little bit, the the Nexus event was essentially them falling for each other. Yeah, it was like the bond that they created. So I guess where I'm kind of confused on that is like, is this like a true love perseveres against all kind of thing then, or is it? Because like he he calls them out and labels it like narcissistic and a whole Which bunch of is. other things. Yeah, but I'm also it's like falling in love with a variation of yourself. 
Yeah, it, I mean, I had a lot of questions for myself after too, because I was just like, is it incest? Oh. <laughs> yeah, is is it? Because like, or is it just self appreciation? Is it self love? Because I heard I was I was debating this with a couple of friends. I have a whole thread of text messages going back and forth when we're like, is it incest that he that he loves Sylvie, or is it just like he's just loving himself? Like, is loving himself the ultimate sin here? Because one of my friends is arguing that, like, oh, technically, like, Loki doesn't love himself, and that's why he kind of lashes out. That's why he's a villain. So the moment he starts to love himself, it creates a nexus event, because he's not meant to. So he's not meant to deviate from what the from what the timekeepers want him to be, right? So anyway, it just kind of got me thinking all sorts of things, because I'm like, all right, is it is it that, or does he actually love Sylvie and wants some sort of relationship with her? He does, um, is what his last words were going to be, was that he was trying to get out that it's weird for him to say that he likes anybody, let alone a variation of himself, which is like why that event happened on the timeline, because it's like, it's very, like you're like, we're discussing, it's very difficult to understand the um, repercussions of that. But I think it, I I don't know if this is a true love perseveres all type of storyline, but I do think that love is definitely going to be a thread because of what their conversation was on the train, right? Where it's like, have there been any significant others in your life? And they both, and he was like, nothing concrete, nothing real. And now I think it's like, that's what he's, uh, learning to like experience or learning to feel maybe he's just like the ultimate loner and he's just happy being with himself and so like i don't know i like speaking as one myself would i fall in love with a female version of myself (laughs) would you fall in love with the female version of yourself i think there was a seinfeld episode on this right and yeah (laughs) Yeah, i don't i I don't see what would be wrong with that (laughs) it's not like you're actually of blood True. You're from a different... And this is the other thing that, like, I need some clarity on. All the different variations of Loki are just different uh, universes, right? And how they're all... All the universes are being tied together into this one sacred timeline. But, like, is that right? It has to be that, right? There's no other way for multiple Lokis and multiple Asgards to exist. In the yeah. same timeline. I yeah, I th- I think you're right on that. I've, every time they've explained the multiverse, it's literally like because there's here's where here's where we're going to get very confused because like it kind of opens up the end game time travel thing. But from my understanding, in terms of like from a comics perspective, because like if you look at DC, they look at it differently than Marvel does. But Marvel's multiverses are confusing as heck because like you'll have a different universe and within that universe there's different timelines so if you have a timeline so basically i would i would think that any variation of you from that universe that's a variant in a different timeline from that from that universe then that technically genetically speaking then it must be a replica of you right but if it's a loki from like an alternate universe then it's a different genetic makeup of it 
that's what I'm that's what I'm thinking. But then it's also like, well, why do they all have the same adopted Prince of Asgard storyline? Why do they all have to have that? Um, because they didn't hire different writers for those universes. Got it. Lazy yeah. writing. That's yeah. What it usually comes down to. Yeah, pretty much. Either way, so they get this this bond that they're that they create uh, sparks the nexus event big enough to be identified inside of an apocalypse, and then they get captured and brought back. Loki sent to the punishment room. We don't see Sylvie for a while in the episode. And then the part that I really want to like focus in on a little bit is where they go next with it. And it's Morbius and Ravona. And like just having their friendship talked about and they play out like a theoretical, like where would you go in the timeline type of game? Um, what do you think about the, those two? I'd like to see a little bit more as to what exactly attracts them to one another, because clearly they have a thing for one each other, right? Like, I feel like they either have a romantic past or a romantic interest in one in one another. Um, but I also feel like it's 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 hard because like Ravona clearly cares about him, and up until closer to the end of the episode, I thought that he was kind of her kryptonite, so to speak. But I would evidently not. Um, she she's a weird character. She's a very weird character because I feel like I I don't exactly know what drives her, especially at the end of all this with all the twists and all that. I have no idea what her ultimate end game is. In the beginning of this episode, uh, and something I think kind of ties into this conversation, but like it's revealed that she's been with the TVA for a while, right? So she was yeah. a standard agent who just couldn't get rid of Sylvie. Um, and actually, to touch on that scene real quick, she basically abducts Sylvie while she's a child playing toys in her Asgardian home. So Sylvie's been on the run from the TVA for a very long time. And yeah. during that time, Ravona took that failure and somehow got promoted to... That's what I was wondering, too. Like, maybe it's more of a reassignment. Like, you're not good at in the field, so we'll put you behind a desk. Maybe. But I... She's definitely trying to correct her mistake. It's just that I don't know where her motivations are kind of lying there. Like, she seems like both an evil character, but at the same time, somebody who almost like has this apprehension to what she's doing. And you only see that apprehension when it comes to Mobius. Yeah, it's she's she's like you said, I I really agree. She's one of the more interesting characters in this show because she's walking this tightrope of like keeping secrets and then also like what does she not even know or not even remember like it's, she she plays dumb to keep a secret but then i think some of these are not playing dumb like she legitimately doesn't remember what the nexus event was that brought sylvia in but you can have flashbacks of like that was my case it, it makes me wonder a lot more too like who is behind the TBA ultimately like who actually is running everything like what's what's the ultimate goal of this because Ra the Ravona Renslayer character from the comics is a very is also a very deceptive kind of backstabbing character and I guess that kind of carries through here but yeah <laughs> she's usually tied directly with 
with um with Kang. And I don't like other than like seeing references to like him visually looking like one of the timekeepers. Uh, I just I'm not seeing any other like if if Kang's gonna pop up on the show, it's gonna pop me. It's gonna take me a little bit by surprise because I'm not entirely sure how they're gonna fit him in here. But yeah, it hasn't been a very clear build up. Um, the only other hint at it was the I guess what was it the Oklahoma oil scene. They said it, that artifact originated from the year 3000, which would have been, or the th- third millennium or something like that. I don't know what they said. Yeah. Which would have which been is, where he came from, but. Right. Yeah. there, And then they quickly steered that off to Loki, uh, Sylvie. So, yeah, it would be a little surprising if they decide to just kind of like have him show up out of nowhere. But, yeah, she's been doing this job for a long, like she's been in the TVA for a long time. She, like her helmet from when she was a Minuteman is in the A series. And as we know, they're in the B series of age of Minutemen. It is interesting to me that like somebody like her, just given that those little things that we know, she's got to be either well connected or she's exact like she's directly involved with whoever's running the show there. You know, like because it it seems like the TVA just doesn't excuse failure at all. Like, it just, I don't understand how Sylvie's been allowed to run around for that long and, like, nothing else is going to come of it, you know? Yeah. It It is interesting to speculate at how did this one slip past and then never get tracked down? And then how did she get promoted from this failure? <laughs> you can only fail upwards. I can kind of relate to that. That's been my experience. <laughs> But I have one other question on the Ravona Morbius, and it's not that uh, an answer that you'll know, probably more just speculation, but is there another agent who's been bringing her artifacts, or were, like was that from when she was... I'm assuming she had a third job and was like Minuteman, then detective, whatever Morbius's position was, and then judge. She's like the do-it-all person there, right? Um, yeah, yeah, so I'm they, assuming those were like her cases and she was the other agent. But do you think yeah. there's another person that we're going to get introduced to? Well, she keeps she talked about having some sort of analyst that she keeps around. I don't know what that line was earlier in this in the season. You remember like we, we had talked about how Mobius referred to her liking to keep the company of another analyst around. And yeah, I'm like, like she said that, that? She, she has someone else working for her. And then it, they brought it back up in this episode, too, when they were like, when he was like, what are you going to do with Sylvie's artifact? And then they mentioned the other ones, too. Or he he mentioned, like, see, I knew I was your favorite analyst. I wonder. Yeah, I, I don't know. I feel like there definitely is going to be another character that's got to pop up here, because I, I just don't see any way that like it's. Here's the thing. I don't think that at the end of the series, it's going to the plot twist is going to be that Ravona has been playing the cards all along and it's been her throughout the whole thing because i genuinely think that she's just as much a puppet as anybody else that we've seen on the show no i don't think she is the mastermind either what i'm thinking more of is that she's being reset like so often like oh she gets reset after being a minute man then she goes to be an agent and then be and then is reset from there and she has like limited memory capacity or something like that 
you think that maybe she had a, like similar inklings to what uh, Mobius has in terms of the tendency to question leadership, and so every time she does go down that path, she gets reset and she comes oh. back to her normal. Yeah, self. either either questions the reality or or maybe just like oh, you're not suited to be a minute man. We'll reset you and you'll become an agent. Yeah, and that's interesting. She it, has it, success there or something like that, and then it's like okay, now we need you as a judge. Will reset you and, and move you to this position. Yeah, I don't know. She like she she really her character really baffles me. Like I'm just not sure what to think. You know. And I I think we will get answers. I don't think this is going to be one of those ones that we don't because it seems like next episode is going to be Sylvie interrogating Ravona, which, which I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward to her going into her mind because like we definitely got more of a taste for that in this episode with uh, mm. Hunter Hunter B15. Yeah. So we were. I think we had talked about the uh, her like her efforts in terms of like getting somebody's memories uh, to the forefront of things. It seems like um, Ravona was playing this off earlier in the episode with Mobius saying like, "Oh yeah, the was it Hunter C twenty C twenty or I think it's is it C? I thought it was B twenty. No, you're right. It was C twenty. So they are even in the C's now." Yeah, so she's like, C twenty died because she couldn't handle the mind control that was uh, uh, that uh, she was inflicted on, and so Mobius obviously took like suspicion to that. He's like, that she seemed fine the last time I saw her. Yeah. Um, but we got to see more of that. We got to see B fifteen, who I forgot had also been taken uh, under that mind control in the last episode. She's also kind of questioning her her own existence, and so she kind of went through this little mini arc herself um in this episode yeah it's great that's what i was saying before it's great to like rewatch the first few episodes knowing that like she's gonna have this awakening because now when you see her in the rocks cart episode you can see like all those facial expressions she was making and i guess in the moment i kind of like took it for granted of just her being like coming out of it and snapping too but really it's like it was her exploring, like, what were those memories I was seeing or what were those scenarios I just saw? She had, like, the wheels were starting to turn. She was starting to, like, realize that all's not what it seems. Um, but I I felt kind of, like, invested in that whole thing because I'm like, there's some, there's, like, a measure of tragedy in the fact that everybody in, in the TVA had a whole life before this point. Um, yeah. And we really got that through B-15 here who you know forcibly <laughs> makes her way into the interrogation room that had sylvie in it, it takes her back to uh rocks on or whatever the heck the market cart was rocks cart yeah um <laughs> <Roxanne> mobile <laughs> well i remember the the, the rocks on corporation is like marvel's version of walmart so yeah like everything just anything rocks i'm like oh it's rocks on um no but she she takes her back and she has um Sylvie, I guess, revealed to her and confirm her suspicion from earlier because she caught there was a line from Mobius to B15 where she asks him what Loki if Loki said anything and he says yeah that the TVA is lying to us mm-hmm. and she took that to heart and I think that was enough motivation for her to be like all right well now I need to do digging on my own uh, so she basically kidnaps uh, Sylvie takes her to back to uh, Rock's cart has her reawaken her memories and she gets this revelation. That we don't get to see visually, but like you, you get to see her expression, her reaction to it. That she had this life, she seemed happy wherever she was before. Um, yeah. 
and that's the last we see of her for a little bit in this episode. But that I I that whole tidbit for me just kind of gets me a little bit amped in terms of like seeing if Sylvie is going to be able to do this for all of the TBA agents for all time. For for all time, always. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I like that they also spin her like B fifteen asking about C 20s condition because she wants to be like, what if I go hand my brain over to Sylvie? What's going to happen to me? Like, is right. she just driving us crazy, or is it is there truth in these memories? Uh, and it seems like this this like this this wake, waking awakening or whatever you want to call it by the TVA agents is going to be pretty binary where it's like you either accept that this reality, the TVA is presented to you is staged or it might make you dig in further and like think that Sylvie's planting these memories in. It doesn't seem like there's going to be room for middle ground. Right. Which is why I was excited to see Mobius finally like take Loki's word for it towards the end yeah. of the episode and say, you know what? Like, I, I think you're onto something. Um, but that's he the went... problem is like when you cry wolf so many times, it's annoying that it's like, that has to be part of the dialogue. And it's like, well, he might betray him one more time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's just, and, and that's the thing. I think, um, I was kind of expecting, uh, some sort of twist in this episode. I wasn't expecting the twists that we got. So for that, I will applaud them for it. Yeah, I didn't think they were uh, bold enough to take out both Mobius and Loki in the same episode, let alone at all. Mobius's quote-unquote death took me, like, emotionally, I though. Yeah. yeah, I was just like, oh, my God. And it it was so well-written, too. When he like finally answers the question from early in the episode, where she's like, "If you could go back anywhere in time, where would you go? What would you do?" Yeah. Um, and I circle back to his love of jet skis. He's like, "I'd be wherever I was from. I, like, I'd want to be riding a jet ski." Yeah. I was like, "Oh damn!" Famous last words, bro. R.I.P. Yeah, I picture him as a jet ski salesman, not necessarily just someone who owns one. <laughs> I wonder what he did. Like it's it's got like I know like the reasons could be really stupid too, but like I I I do hope that we get to find out a little bit more about Mobius because uh I, I I did enjoy him as a character. I kind of think that we're not we haven't seen the last of him, um, but clearly I, I feel like um I don't know like I don't know what they what else they can kind of do with him because I feel like for the majority of his purpose was to kind of progress Loki's story forward so. Um, that twist with the pruning that we got later on, uh, revealing that Loki's alive, I don't think necessarily means that everybody that's been pruned is alive also. Unless you take it's like away. a purgatory limbo type of situation. Yeah, maybe. But before we get to that mid-credit scene though, because I do want to talk about that. Yeah. Um that that final fight, were you expecting the that Wizard of Oz moment with uh with the timekeepers? No, but I also wasn't expecting her to cut their head off. <laughs> uh, I loved that B-15 was in on the plan. I love that they broke free and that they had their fights individually and then came back together. And it wasn't like Loki was the last one holding the knife and was closer to the timekeepers. 
but he honors like that she's put so much time and effort into her plans that he's like he just hands it over to her and is like i'm trusting you to do your decision and that also plays into the like him loving her uh storyline which i really really like uh his development as as a loki i wasn't expecting her to cut the head off and then as soon as it did it i was like okay something feels off here though because they're just giggling their heads off like the ones that yeah. remain um i don't know what it means i don't know who's behind it i almost just picture it is like a wizard of oz type of thing where the timekeepers are real they just have to put up a scarier projection of themselves yeah i don't like i'm not sure how to take that because i feel like I'm, I'm a little disappointed that the timekeepers weren't there only because now it leads me to believe that the timekeepers aren't real. Um, I don't know, because it, it seems like you wouldn't... It's super easy to get to them. I would expect that there would be more lines of defense other than an elevator. Yeah, like... If they if they are real, though, like, where are they? They're, like, behind the curtain on the right. <laughs> <laughs> Pay no attention to the man behind the green curtain. I'm picturing like a um like a men in black situation where they're like actually inside the head like a little alien. <laughs> yeah, that's what I, that's what came to mind too because I'm like it's probably like little small creatures that are actually doing all this. Yeah. But I like I like that twist. Like I it's something I'm not expecting and it sets up for a couple more episodes of we have to dig further into this to to figure it out. This scene reminded me of Last Jedi when Kylo betrays Snoke. And they have that whole throne room scene, except in yeah. this one, it's a lot better choreographed. Even uh, though the last Jedi I like that throne room scene, it, that was the I, only scene I liked in that movie. I love that scene visually, but when you start breaking it down from like a chore a, a choreographed standpoint, it it has a lot of flaws. Like Are you talking about like how that, that one red soldier's second weapon disappeared. Not just that. If you look closely. Like a lot of the, in a lot of shots, the guards are literally spinning to hit themselves, and aren't hitting, aren't aiming for Kylo or Rey. Like some of them are literally just doing back. That's a fight tactic. <laughs> it, it, it's an intimidation. Yeah, tactic. It's like what Jar Jar used to do, where you make you make them believe like, oh, this guy's an idiot, and then he ends up killing you. We're no, we're in a tangent here. <laughs> we're we're in a four wheel skid here. We need to pull it back. I've heard a lot of conversation that this is like people are expecting Kang to show up and it's like it's Kang has been the actual guy that's been ruling the timekeepers this whole time and he just like killed them at some point. I'm like, I don't, I don't know. I feel like the answer is probably going to be a lot simpler than that, right? I think um, so, too. I think the, the common thread between all these shows is that the answer is kind of as presented. It You just took a funny way of getting there. Right. And I have to believe that the timekeepers are real and they actually are untangling or cleaning up the multiple, the multiverse. And I have to believe that they're going to be overthrown and that'll create the chaos or the, the Loki Nexus event will create the chaos because we have to set up for Dr. Strange and Spider-Man. So like, it's yeah. weird if you bring in Kang who has no objective of, destroying the the single timeline from a comics perspective that's all he's about that's oh, why yeah that's why i'm like 
I, I, but I no, just well, don't I know that. I just wanted you to like, I wanted to test you for. Oh, you were testing me. Okay. <laughs> no, but like, I, I think that even given that though, like, I don't know how you're gonna fit him in with because they haven't necessarily lined up the proper breadcrumbs for it. You know, like if he does show up, it's gonna be a, like a very big surprise to the to the normal audience who has no background information on who this guy is. Um, and it just seems like they haven't done the proper work to build him up yet. So I just don't think we're going to see him as the actual villain of the show. I think we're going to save him for later. You maybe reference him, but I don't think he's necessarily the guy to show up as, as the bad guy here. What if it's Mephisto? If it's Mephisto, I'm going to cry at the end of the series. Oh, not, not because I would think it's a or... bad... Well, I don't know. It's going to be tears of something. Because I'm like, okay. I was expecting you back in WandaVision, bro. Where were you? He'll be like, yeah, I was here. I can't be in multiple places. I'm just... That Mephisto thing. I'm not, I'm not going to live that down. I feel like... No, the information I, I pushed for as hard as you did. It's, they, they've, they've said, too, that they actually did plan for Mephisto and Nightmare yeah. to show up, and they just opted not to at the end. They're like, oh, wait, so you guys just trolled us for no reason. Yeah, we set it up for it, and then we were like, no, it's too perfect. We, we didn't want to take the shot on the empty net. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I, all right, let, let's talk about this end credit scene real quick. Cause like, can, oh, we and, the, can we talk about the mid-credit scene? Was it mid-credits? I thought it was end credits. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> I'm so lost. It is, it is mid credit scene because we don't get to the VFX credits until after. Okay. Yeah, All right, you got more. me there. You got me there. Uh, yeah. So I like this. I like this scene because it is a devastating cliffhanger to end on Loki being uh, pruned, where our knowledge is just that that's being disintegrated, much like uh, pruning the cl- timeline. Uh, so it's good to see this and this mid credit scene where he's now being, he wakes up on this like, what looks like um, Valyrian in the Game of Thrones. City, the City of a Thousand Planets? No, the uh, the place in Game of Thrones with the dragons. Oh, Ancient Valyria, right? Yeah, yeah. It looks like that, like broken down castles and whatnot. And then there's a couple of their variations of, I guess they're all Lokis, right? They're all Lokis. We got Boastful Loki holding a hammer. We got Kid Loki holding Crocodile Loki. And then Classic Loki. I think I think that Crocodile's name is Crocky. Crocky. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> but is that Loki's son? Um, the Crocodile? Yeah, you know how like in Norse mythology, Loki has like animals for kids? Like he has a wolf. What's his name? Fenris is is. is... Well, that's different in the MCU because they gave that to Hela. Oh, that's true. He still has a serpent son somewhere, I'm sure. Oh, but uh, Sylvie was playing with a dragon and she had like a big wolf toy as well. There you go. Opening scene, so that's interesting. It's different across timelines, but regardless, uh, I don't know anything about these three different Lokis. Are they very significant? In the um, well, classic Loki, I think, is just like a nod to like his classic costume, which looks <laughs> just as ridiculous as I would hope. It looks like Kick-Ass, the movie. It does. And I, I, <laughs> I love that Marvel is not afraid to go there, though, to be honest with you. I, I feel like this is one of those things where 
I have a high appreciation for what they do at the fact that they just don't shy away from the source material in that way. Um, thank God it's not Loki's actual standard costume, but still. But the fact that he's played by Richard E. Grant is what like sends me like it completes the experience for me. Because um, Rich, Rich, Richard E. Grant is somebody I would never expect to have taken this uh, this kind of role. So I'm looking forward to seeing him, even if it's just like a minor role. Is he the uh, guy in Mandalorian? Yeah. <laughs> Who put yeah. the bounty out on Grogu? Oh wait, wait, no, 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 no. That's Sorry, Turner not- Vertzog, right? That's yeah, he's um uh, that's her never talk, but you're you, I think you're confusing him. He wasn't Star Wars, he was in Rise of Skywalker, he played uh General Pride. He's the guy that was kind of the uh the guy tr- that like succeeded Kylo Ren once he turned as yeah, as I served you in the Yeah, yeah, yeah that guy. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah. I knew I was like I can hear him in Star Wars, but I can't place it. But he like I mostly know him from the old uh Jekyll and Hyde uh, miniseries from a couple years ago. Uh, he's, I think he was like a regular guest on on uh, Downton Abbey, and he was a Doctor Who uh, recurring guest role. But he he's done a lot of like classical movies, so like he's a high caliber actor, which is why like to put him in the ridiculous costume like that, I'm like, yeah, okay, bring it, bring yeah, it. yeah. Uh, boastful Loki, I don't know too much about. I know he's in, he's from the comics. Um, he d- he does have like a little bit of a significant role from like a Ragnarok storyline, but what kind of passed that in the MCU? So I don't really know. Or were before it. Yeah, a kid Loki is somebody I was looking forward to seeing though, because we've been forming up the roster for Young Avengers. Oh my so god! I think... If you say Young Avengers again. Young Avengers. <laughs> <laughs> That's the drinking game with this podcast, man. Say Young <laughs> Avengers one more time. <laughs> No, but like, so Kid Loki, I think, was one of the more complex Loki storylines that we got in the in the comics, and one of the ones I actually kind of enjoyed. Because when I started reading comics, uh, they started. Uh, I think I I picked up. Uh, it was like a Thor miniseries that they were doing where Loki basically dies, and at some point Thor brings him back, but he's only able to bring him back as a child. So you have this Loki that actually kind of looks up to Thor. So they have this very like brotherly bond obviously but um it's all about loki's redemption that's what kid loki is all about so it's funny to see him here i don't know exactly what they're going to do with him but um like each one of these lokis does have some sort of role from the comics i just don't know how they're going to use them for this story so let's let's talk about that let's talk uh predictions where do you think our loki is going with them I'm going to make a bold prediction here that I know is not going to be right. I think it's going to maybe be semi-right, but That's I why think... we make these bold predictions. <laughs> I think the guy or the person behind uh, the TVA is a variant of Loki. I think it's... Yeah. I, I like that. I think it's going to be a variant Loki. I think that's Loki's going to assemble his own Avengers with different versions of himself. The and that's Revengers. how this is gonna end. The Revengers, yeah. <laughs> and that's how th- that's how that's gonna go. I feel like that's the only thing I can kind of assume. Um, one thing that I did want to point out: the world that they're in, there's a, a, it's either a damaged New York, like a post-apocalyptic New York, or 
I don't know, like, because there's a tower in the back that resembles uh, the Avengers Tower, but, like, broken down. Yeah, it's difficult to identify where they're at. But I do want to also call it, um, for prediction-wise, I feel like if you look at the trailers, they've all had one bit of, one like, one scene in common where Loki's, like, in a full suit, and he's got like a vote for Loki type of pin on his chest and he's wearing his helmet with the horns and he's got his knives. I feel like he is going to be running for some election in this world, right? I I wrote Loki in, in the last mayoral election here. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. that's what it was. He was campaigning for New York. That's got why he it. took 2% of the vote here in New York City. Got it. <laughs> No, but yeah, I, I, it could be that this is like a low-key world kind of thing then. Like, maybe he's like trying to get control of the system there. I don't know. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like, is this going to be, like, when everyone gets pruned, do they go to a world where only they exist? Or is it like a shared world for where all pruned people go? So, like, can he find more uh, Mobius in this world? Or is it just a world of Lokis that have been pruned from becoming variants i think it's loki's that have been pruned so like everybody gets their own version of purgatory i feel like it's gonna be absolutely everybody goes there because they in the mid credit scene they stress that it's come with us or you're gonna die like i have to assume there's like other gangs you know that have formed yeah this world. that and and the other theory i had was um there's a character called the Beyonder, who's kind of like a Galactus-type character in the comics. Uh, and I think I might have touched on this before, because like Marvel has said that they're planning to do Secret Wars in the future, which is the storyline where they'll they'll take like different Earths or different universes and have them fight against each other. Um, but basically, in that story, they would transport these characters to a um, purgatory-like planet. That's kind of like an amalgam of all their different realities. And they called it Battle World. And I've seen people speculating that that's what this could be. It could be like a build up to that, where like this is the Battle World for like the dead, it's like a graveyard for all the erased timelines. Hmm. That'd be interesting. So it could, it could be that. I mean, like the Avengers Tower thing, I think, caught my attention right off the bat. I didn't even notice that. Because it it definitely is like it visually is that like you can't Im- impossible for a production like Marvel to just like leave something in there as a coincidence you know like I'm pretty sure they meant to refer to uh, Avengers Tower with that. I got to relook uh, at it. I thought I was seeing like brick castles and stuff in the background. It's it's in like th- that's what I'm saying. Like it looks like um a, either a torn down New York City. Or it is like this amalgam of worlds, but like that is Avengers Tower in in the back. That's pretty interesting. Uh, and then one other thing, not prediction, but continuation of last week, the Infinity Color theme continues. Uh, yeah. So we had like TVA being kind of orange. The Roxcart uh, scene was really green. Lamentis obviously purple, and then the Timekeeper's chamber is just blue so that leaves red and yellow i'd be um interested to see if the last two episodes work those colors in somewhere 
in a prominent way. I did I did take that to heart the last time because I think you mentioned this in the last episode and so I, I went back and realized that yeah you're right like and there's something also about the color palette across the episodes that yeah whatever just, color they pick they go like all in on like Lamentis yeah. was like pure purple I wonder what kind of significance that has because like that's what I can't figure out <laughs> yeah it's because it's, it's not it's, like the episode has to do with like purple being power or green being time like it doesn't really have to do with that right it's not properly themed but i like it it's something neat to watch i don't think it has any significance on the storyline at all though well we'll find out next week <laughs> I feel stay like tuned for more help to it. It, it's it's definitely building up to something though because like uh... oh you think <laughs> <laughs> no you think i mean like in the storyline no the oh, visuals the of the, yeah i like <laughs> I, I think i think they are building up to some sort of like either like this visual cue or something like maybe they're like building it all up so that we know that each episode, like when we look back after the last episode, we'll be like, Oh, this episode is obviously the time stone. This one's obviously the power stone or whatever. Um, it could end up being like that Thanos theory or that. Oh, from the movies. Yeah. Yeah. Where it was like T for Tesseract. Uh, the H was never completed, but it was like the A for the ether. N was for the necklace, then the spear and the orb for the power one. It was like, it was so perfectly lined up, and then they just didn't do anything with the H. Well, regardless, it's fun to speculate. <laughs> yeah, but I think that's probably all it is. It's probably just coincidence. Yeah, you might be right. Any last thoughts on the episode or future eps? No, I think I think that's that's about it. I feel like... You know, I'm I'm excited to see who's behind the timekeepers. Uh, that whatever answer to that question is is basically going to inform what I where I think we're going to go with all this, right? Because like, um, this it's it's funny because I'm hesitant to kind of say that this is going to be the show that will lead us into Doctor Strange because originally I thought that was that's what WandaVision was going to be for. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the more I see and the more that I, I'm seeing from like. Uh, Kevin Feige and folks, it does seem like they do intend to actually do something that's very impactful of the entire MCU with the show. So I don't know, and I'm excited to see how this ends because um, the the thing I wanted to include in the news segment earlier that I'll, I guess I'll talk about here, I did see that apparently they have been working on the season two for this show. Yeah, that's news to me, but uh, depending on how this one ends up, I guess it could make sense to do a second one. You know, I, I always thought that these were all going to be one-offs, but and I think you and I kind of talked about this before, that like eventually at some point we will see one of them that has to have a season two, cause, but I thought it would be for a character that gets introduced in this format that they'll keep in here, right? Like, like I could see them doing a TV show for Daredevil, for Punisher, for some of those characters that like don't, they're not necessarily like MCU movie quality, right? But um, they're worth a show, but they're not worth like a huge, huge investment on. Yeah, I, it's weird to think about because it's like Iron Man, Captain America, and Thor were the big three, right? They all had six right. hours combined between their own movies. Loki, Wanda, Captain Falcon are all... B tier at best and they're all achieved the six hours over the course of like six weeks 
and now you're talking about giving Loki six more hours. Like, is it is this where we want to invest our time? I don't know. I mean, like, I honestly, I would be down to watch a season two. I guess it just depends on the story. I just don't want them to like end this season with a major cliffhanger. That's like we now have to wait for a season two. Yeah, I hope that's not the case. If they end it on a cliffhanger, I hope it's one that gets answered in like, Spider-Man: No Way Home. Right, but um, that would be the only way. Yeah. Yeah, but I I don't know. I mean, like I'm sure at some point we'll we'll have other shows that kind of pop up, and they're like, oh, this one definitely feels like it should have a season two. I kind of felt that way about Falcon, but. I'm also like, you know, I don't know how many season twos I can really take of all this stuff. Like, I hope it's not a trend with them that, like, every single show has to have a season two. Yeah, then it feels like it's more of a cash grab instead of a uh, character building. If they have stories to tell, I'm down for it. But I feel like if it's just, like, for the sake of continuing the story, like, I'd rather they not do that. Yeah, I agree. All right, so why don't we end it there? Um, We're really excited about the next episode. But if you think we missed anything in this one or are missing any major themes for the show, feel free to reach out to us on Twitter at BT Fourth Wall for being 4th. Otherwise, thanks, thanks for, for listening. listening.